The title of my message today is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Letting the Reign of Jesus Reshape Our Lives. We're going to talk about the kingdom of God today. And I realize it's something that I haven't done a lot of teaching on. I've read and thought a lot about it and think in terms of my life and my relationship to the Lord. Jesus is king, and we sang about it this morning. And, you know, when you were, when you were a kid and you needed to learn how to ride a bike, most likely you had a parent or an older sibling or Aunt Sally or Uncle Jimmy help you get on your bike and learn how to ride so that you, because of the dangers and uh, the dangers and the significance of moving away from walking on your feet to riding on a bike, right? You remember that day? I remember when my dad taught me how to ride a bike, and uh, it was an awesome early 80s roadster bike, and they don't make those anymore. So, and then when you learn how to drive your car, or your parents' car, unless they bought you one, Because of the increase of the significance of that step from bike to car, you underwent very important training, and you probably had straight talks with your parents. And, you know, driving a car, an important talk, I've I've, uh, heard Stacy Klein uh, share that one thing he taught his daughters is that in cars, you often don't get a second chance, right, Stacy? You, don't get, you need to understand the significance of what you are doing. And because of the dangers and risks associated and the significance of what that means driving a vehicle, there is very important information and a perspective you need to gain about the power behind that you have behind that wheel. And you know, as a servant in the kingdom of God, It is very important because of the significance of setting out to serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that you come to a greater, a fuller, and at least an adequate understanding of the power and the authority that is represented in the title King when we call Jesus King. And the power and the authority that is transferred to you as a servant of his kingdom because of the significance of setting out to serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. And because of the, the, the level of influence that is associated with that and because of the calling on your life, it is vital that you, import, uh, you understand some basic principles of kingdom life, what we call in this way of referring to God and his influence as his kingdom. We use that um, motif of kingdom. It's all through scripture and it was a part of the ancient world and we still have kings today. The power and the rule and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and what that means for you and what it means through your life as a servant in his kingdom. It's very important that we understand some of those things and we're not lacking in our understanding and our knowledge and in our theology of kingdom mindsets. I want to read this scripture to you this morning. Revelation 19, 11 to 16. I've got a lot of scripture today. More than I normally have in a message. I was really excited about this. This is vision, uh, the prophetic vision that God gave John the Revelator when Jesus, of the future, when the Lord was returning and he was taking the earth to be his own forever. And here's what he said. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him 
that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has his, this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We live under the reign of Jesus Christ in our lives because we receive Jesus as Savior. And we gave our lives to him. We are currently, you and I today, as his people, are living under the rule and the reign of God. But the world is not yet under the rule and reign of God. One day, the world will come under the rule and reign of God. And until then, you and I and believers around the world represent and carry the name of the King of Jesus and his authority in the world. We are his stamp. We are his mark of authority on the earth as his children. And we bear that name, that banner over us, King of kings and Lord of lords. And you know, when you learn how to live in his kingdom, we find out that there are things from the former kingdom that no longer suit us anymore as members of the kingdom of God. There are things from our former life, from the ways of this world and the kingdoms of this world that are not suited to life in the kingdom of God. My wife and I took a flight once in the month of February, and if you've lived around here, you know what February is like. Uh, It's a snowy, it's actually a very beautiful, it's our prettiest winter month. We get this beautiful snow and the sunshine. And we took a trip to visit family in Tampa, Florida. By the way, I wanted to ask you, how many of you are escaping from the cold for Thanksgiving break? How many of you are moving further south than Pennsylvania for Thanksgiving break? Okay, Maryland, we got some Marylanders here. Multiple Marylanders, yeah. It's like a whole groupies of you over here. Yeah, not quite tropical or, you know, palm trees, but it's a break from New York anyway. You get to escape from New York for a few days. And when we got on the plane, many of you have had this experience, we had winter coats on and, you know, we went to the airport with gloves and all of those things. And when we got this, I'm still so amused by this and this is still so fascinating to me. As we exited the plane in Tampa, the, uh, the whole atmosphere was different. We didn't need our coats anymore. We didn't need gloves anymore. It was an entirely new atmosphere, a whole different climate that we had stepped into. Don't everybody rush off to Florida, although I'm joining with the prayers of many over the years that the Lord would plant an Elam campus of this school in Florida someday. I just just pray the Lord will do that in his timing. (laughs) And I remember taking walks with Emily at night in in February in shorts and a t-shirt at night in February. It was such a disorienting experience for me. It was great. And you know, learning how to live in kingdom life can be a disorienting thing because you have been so trained and indoctrinated about the way you view your own life and yourself, the way that you view um, how to live your life and you view the purpose of your life according to the patterns of this regular life and world. When you begin to step into what God has for you, in his kingdom, it can be disorienting. It's like stepping into a whole new 
atmosphere where you have to learn how to carry yourself in a different way. You think in a different way. You don't want to dress the same way. You don't want to do the same things. But it is in our nature to repeat what we have formerly learned. And as a member of the kingdom of God, there's a new way for you to learn how to live. And we're just going to look at a few of these. You want to talk about scratching the surface for one message with a few points on kingdom life. We are just scratching the surface. In John 18, 36, Jesus said this. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place, Jesus said. In the word kingdom there, Bezaliah, we often associate with the land, the realm, the dirt, the piece of property, or the nation that a king rules over. And the meaning of that word is more than just realm, and this is often missed. The word kingdom, as it is often used in the New Testament and in Scripture to refer to God's domain, means more than just his realm. It actually means, in the sense of a noun, if you're looking at the word, word the rule and the reign of God, his exercised kingly authority and power in the world. That's what the word kingdom means. You know, that's more than just land and territory. It's the exercising of his kingly authority authority and power. It says this in your notes here. Kingdom communicates, the word kingdom communicates what God is working to accomplish in the world. It's more it's about more than just a family. One of the one of the ways that we describe what God is doing in the world and and I would say we just, we use this terminology a lot and it is correct and Paul, the apostle Paul talked about this and others is that God is building a family that he's making a family in the world. And how many of you are glad to be members of his family? Yeah. But that, that mindset is a different, it's not in opposition to, but it is missing some things that are in the mindset of kingdom. I'm not saying we need to do away with family, certainly not, but being in God's reign, under his rule and reign, is about more than just a family. What is a family associated with? A, a family makes us think of like, sharing a meal, and right, what is going to come when Jesus returns? We're going to have, we're going to have the great wedding supper of the Lamb. Uh, family makes us think of, well, makes me think of keeping house, uh, taking care of a home, and everybody that owns a home says amen, and maybe you don't want to talk about it today. And family, we associate family with growing together and raising the kids and in church, that's very fitting because we're raising people up as disciples of the Lord. And when we first come to Christ, we're babes in Christ, right? And we need to grow out of just having just the milk and we want to go to the meat of the word. But when we talk about kingdom, we're talking about things at a whole nother level. We are talking about power and authority. We are talking about victory and might and dominion. We're talking about fighting and conquering and things that we can even get a little bit uncomfortable about. These are the things that the scripture teaches as a description of what God is doing in the world. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. As a follower of Jesus, you've entered a life that comes from another world. 
Right now, in this world, you are living both in this world, but you are called to and you are invited to engage and begin to live out of another world. It is the realm and the rule and the reign of God who is currently reigning in heaven and ruling and reigning in the hearts of his people and making available to us a source of power and authority to live a different life than you would otherwise live if you were not a member of the kingdom of God. You have entered life in another world. And it changes the way that we look at our, our lives and how we run our lives. And who's in charge of me? Because what is in the air I breathe in this culture is I'm in charge of me. It changes the way that I look at how I win personal battles. It changes the way that I go about trying to live a better life and think better and be a healthier person and uh, a step into a better place of wellness because there are resources available to me and there are truths about who God is as king and who I am as one of the people who are a part of his kingdom that begin to affect those things, and it changes how I view the purpose of my life as someone in the kingdom of God. And let's get into these. How the reign of Jesus reshapes our lives. Number one, rulership. Everybody say rulership. And I want to make sure we are clear on this, and I know that many of you are clear on this. When we talk about the rulership of Jesus, I'm picking these words uh, very decisively and believe the Lord helped me with this. I just felt such a help from the Lord preparing this. And when we talk about rulership, we're talking about what God does within his kingdom. And when we talk about a kingdom, we are not talking about some nebulous thing which cannot be discerned and that is fuzzy and gets kind of lost into all of the preferences and beliefs and allegiances and cultural worship and all of those variations that are in this world. When we talk about a kingdom, we're not talking about something fuzzy. We are talking about something that represents a line of demarcation and separation away from those things, and yet it's supposed to be situated right in the middle of them. But when we talk about rulership, we are drawing a line that on this side of the line within the kingdom, things are different for me. And the difference begins with the rulership of Jesus. And here's another passage from Revelation. Revelation eleven fifteen to 18, the continuing vision of the coming of the Lord. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world, listen to this, what's going to happen to our world. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. By the way, I meant to, I meant to warn you I was going to be talking about end times, and then I was hoping to get like a few surprise faces like, uh-oh, he's going to talk about end times. But we're talking about end times, but we're also talking about the now times because there is something about his kingdom that is right now. And he will reign forever and ever. Verse 16. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who was, who is, and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. Did you hear that? And have begun to reign. It is speaking of the day when Jesus is going to take full authority of this place we call 
planet Earth and of his universe that he created, and he will begin to reign in a maximized way. Verse 18, the nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time has come for the judging of the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. A few points there. When we talk about rulership, we are talking about absolute authority and government. And if there's anything people don't like in secular culture today, it is absolutes. How many of you know that that is true? Moral absolutes and truth absolutes. People reject those things left and right, and people would rather live in a fog and mist of nothingness but what I feel today and what makes me a nice person. But when we talk about the kingdom of God, we are talking about God's authority and government in the world. The kingdom of God represents the authority and power of Jesus as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And what that means is he wants to be Lord and King over every part of your life. And one day, the Bible teaches, he's going to return. And in case we forget this in the busyness of our lives in the struggles that we all face. One day he is going to return and he is going to set up his government on the earth and over all of creation. He's going to destroy the devil. He's going to bring an end to wickedness. He's going to right every wrong. He's going to remove all pain and there will no longer be any sin in God's creation and he will reign forever. And the amazing thing is, and I took this scripture out because it would take too long, Today, we would go right on through lunch. There are scriptures that teach, and we will reign with him. That's what the Bible teaches. We will reign with the Lord Jesus. We are under his rule. And why don't we start letting him rule us totally now instead of waiting for that day when he's going to make it automatic for us? We want to let him rule all of our lives now. It's absolute authority in government. When we talk about Jesus' rulership, we are talking about his judgments Law, the law, and life itself are shaped by God in his word. And the things he says, you know one thing about God that we are, can be very certain about is that he is going to keep his word. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. And he's going to come back and he's going to set up his eternal government in this world. And you and I as believers in Jesus Christ are going to be a part of that rule and reign of the Lord forever. And what I'm saying to you this morning, I'm urging in you that every ounce of you be totally surrendered to the lordship of Jesus in your life. Everything you do, everything, every want in you. that you it doesn't. God is not just a taker. He's not here. He doesn't come to you just to take all of your wants and hopes away. There are things that we give up and let go of and there are things that he will if we partner with him and allow him to he will take from us God is a great giver and he will put back in your life so much more than you lose and surrender to him why don't we go the distance and be totally surrendered to the Lord while we are living today one of the things I shed in the kingdom of God that I don't need anymore are, is self-rule Ruling myself, it is in our nature to rule ourselves and be our own lords. By default, if we're not intentional about it, if we're not living in total surrender to the Lord, it's what we're taught, it's what we see in popular culture. By default, when I get up in the morning, I'm just thinking about living my life my way. But the lordship of Jesus and the rulership of Jesus means something totally different. 
It means I'm surrendering my whole life according to his will and desire as he describes it to us in his word. Total surrender to Jesus. It also means the rulership of Jesus, that I'm not looking to false saviors anymore. I'm not putting my hope in any other person, relationship. I'm not putting my hope in any other hope or dream. No other thing will do in my life what God wants to do in my life. And he wants to rule and he wants to reign as savior over me. And so I give up false saviors and I let them go. And sometimes God lets you know about those as you go along walking with him. Different saviors. That How many of you have looked to other saviors besides Jesus before to bring meaning and purpose and completion to your life? And in Jesus... He wants to rule, and he wants us to get rid of all of those things. And so this morning, if there's something that God is doing in your life where you're getting a sense, God's saying to you, I don't like that thing. You've put it in front of me. I want you to put it where it belongs, and I want to be first. I want to say to you this morning, just let Jesus have his way because he's going to give you so much more than you can expect or imagine. Number two, how Jesus... The rule and reign of Jesus reshapes our lives. Rescue. One of the scariest and dumbest things I've ever done in my life was in high school, after school. I noticed a lot of things, after school, a lot of things that aren't good happen if you stay around school. How many of you know that's true? (laughs) After school, we got into some kind of fun and games and Uh, I don't remember everybody that was involved, probably because of the trauma of this moment, but I decided that I was going to hide in one of the skinny lockers in the high school hallway. And I thought, they'll never find me in the locker, and you know where this story is going. And I squeezed my body into that locker. I still don't know how I did that, but it was so uncomfortable. And sure enough, when I shut that door, the locker locked, and a terror came over me, a feeling of, ter- I don't even like it, to be honest. I, I, this, this morning, this came to me as like, oh, I was thinking about this morning. And I literally felt, I don't even like to talk about this because of the feeling that comes over me remembering this. The terror. And with so little room to be able to even pound on the door, I just began to scream and roar at the, ah, help me. And you know what your friends do. They like to let you live there for a few moments. <laughs> And they came around and, you know, they sort of, you could, I could hear their voices and they were expressing pity, you know, and wanting to help me. But they delayed just long enough, probably hoping to see me break down and cry. And then sure enough, they finally pulled the thing up. You know, they, they had like a, all you have to do is slip the thing up like this and it opens. And they slipped the thing up and out I went. And it was like, I felt like I had begun a new life when you came out. It was like, <laughs> I'm living again. <laughs> I was trapped. I'm telling you that because people don't know it, but they are trapped by sin and darkness. I'm just giving you the simple truth of kingdom realities according to the scripture and what it teaches. Look at Colossians 1, 13 to 14. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. The love and forgiveness of God through Jesus rescues people from darkness. That's the truth. 
Jesus rescues people. This is what the King of Kings is doing right now. He is reigning in heaven, and he is reigning in the hearts of you and I and believers around the world and all the nations of the world where people call to him. And what he is about is rescuing people from being trapped in darkness. And you know what this means to me? And it's the next thing in your notes there. Our friends and family who don't know Jesus are not okay. They're not okay. They are in the grip of the power of darkness. They're locked in, and many of them are aware that they're trapped. Many of them struggle, and they're discomforted, and they know that the unhappiness in their life is because they're missing something. Some people know they need to get right with God, but many people don't realize that they're trapped, and the reason their life seems so incomplete is because they don't have God, and they're trapped in the dominion of darkness as Paul put it. 1 John 5.19 says this, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. You see what that says right there? That doesn't sound very good. The whole world is under the control of the evil one. It won't be that way forever, but it is right now. Matthew 11.12 from the days of John the Baptist until now, <clears throat> the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. Right now, one day Jesus will come back and he will rule and wane, but right now, the Bible teaches that the dominion of darkness is running the world. That's what's running the world. Jesus reigns from heaven, but because of sin, because of what was given away with the sin of Adam and Eve and what took hold in people's hearts, authority has been given over to Satan on this world for a time, and his way and his system currently runs the world. And that's why there is death, and that's why there is evil. What are the fruits of his kingdom? Death, evil, wickedness, violence, hate, division, fear, and all those kinds of things are the products of the kingdom of Satan, and that's why the world has what it has, the Bible teaches. But through his death and resurrection, Jesus won the battle for rulership of the world. And listen to this. And he advances his victory and rule whenever people turn to him. What am I saying by that? On the cross... Jesus took the reason for Satan having authority in the earth, which is sin, Jesus took all of the sin upon himself and then made available to us forgiveness, and then he rose from the dead and won the victory over the curse of death. And now, whenever people turn to him, he is advancing his rule and reign in people's lives. That's how the kingdom of God is spreading. The kingdom of God is not spread primarily through government and political leaders. Can somebody give me a big rowdy amen to that one? Amen. All right. You were ready for that one. Maybe you were thinking about that. The great cause of the church is not politics. Politics are important, and if God calls you to that, the church should empower you and stand behind you to stand for kingdom and biblical values and a biblical worldview. But how God is advancing his rule and his reign is in the hearts of people who come to him and people hear about him because of the preaching of the gospel through the people of his church, through the subjects of his kingdom. Colossians 2, 13 to 15 says this, 
When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having, here we come with the authority thing, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You know what this means for me as a member of the kingdom of God? God has the authority in my life because I came to Jesus and his rule and reign came into me and he has authority and he broke the power of hell and he broke the power of sin in my life and I don't need to be ruled by deeds of darkness anymore. You need to understand the authority of the Lord Jesus in your life as a believer. When you're trying to overcome sin, you're trying to part ways with the old stuff. It's good to have friends. It's good to get help. It's good to get counsel. And God uses all of those things. But what is going to set you free is the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and his cross in your life. Can you tell I'm a little excited about this today? <laughs> this has been rolling around in my heart. And in my life, now, before Jesus comes back or before I meet him in death, I can live free of the control of darkness and not be ruled by those things. I can actually live free of the controlling power of sin and not continually stumble and not continually give in because I've been rescued. We needed to be rescued. We were in the grip of the dominion of darkness and people who don't know Jesus are in the grip of the dominion of darkness and they need to be rescued. Number three, Everybody say this with me, regency. Say it with me, regency. How the, the reign of Jesus reshapes my, lives, my life. He reshapes us by making us his regency. I'm, this is what I was most excited about this morning. <laughs> what, is, what is a regency? A regent is a person who exerts the rulership of a king in the absence of that king. Did you get that? A regent is a person who exerts the rulership of, the, of a king in the absence of, that, absence of that king. It is a correct description of the world today to say that God is present here ruling in the hearts of his people, but he is also absent because the king is not here. Oh, he's coming, but he's not here yet. He is also absent because Jesus ascended, and in his absence, he has made a transfer of authority that his rule and reign might continue to spread until he returns. He has made a, did you catch that? He's made a transfer of authority. And until he returns, he hasn't given up his authority, but he's maybe a sharing of authority is a better word. He has imparted his authority. Until he returns, we are here as believers in Jesus Christ in his place. Not to overthrow the governments of this world or to run people out of office and so on. And again, if that's what God calls you to in the political sphere, that's your job and that's what the career he's given to you. But the purpose of the kingdom of God in the earth right now is that we would walk in his place and spread his rule and reign into the hearts of men and women. That's what we do. Until he returns, 
When he returns, he will exert his kingdom rule forever and finally and in a maximized way. But until he comes, that role of exerting his authority in the earth has been given to believers. That is quite a responsibility that he's given you and I. Luke 17, 20 to 21. Now he was questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming. And he answered them, And said, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs that can be observed, nor will they say, and he was talking about right then and there, because later on he talks about other signs, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is, for behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. And what Jesus was saying to them is, you are looking at the inbreaking of the kingdom of God standing before you in his own person. The kingdom was coming in Jesus. And this is the simple truth. Jesus came to replace Satan as ruler of the world. How many of you are glad about that? He came to replace Satan as ruler because of the legal authority that was given to Satan because of sin. And Jesus came to begin the transfer of power. <clears throat> John eleven eighteen to 20. And we're going to move quickly to what I'm getting after here. John eleven eighteen to 20. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebul. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by by whom do your followers drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And what Jesus was saying is that the sign that the kingdom of God was was beginning to break into the earth into the realm of men and their kingdoms was the casting out of demons because Jesus had power and authority over those things. And here's what I'm getting at. The inbreaking of the kingdom is the way God is currently advancing his rule. This is how God operates. This is how the kingdom operates right now. You don't see it. You meet people. you, You learn about their lives. You become a part of this world. You get into the world. You get into your work and career and family. And you look and say, boy, this place is so devoid of the kingdom of God. Well, yes, it is because of the rule of Satan. And the way that God works is he breaks in with his authority and power. That's how God operates his kingdom right now, is the inbreaking. He has made you, until Jesus returns, believers are his royal regents. Did you know that's what you are? He's made you to be his royalty in the earth. And I, we're not going to read them, but I have a couple scriptures that speak to this. God has made us a royal priesthood. And he has given us authority, he said, to trample on snakes and scorpions. And when we think about God's kingdom and being subjected to him and being surrendered to him, we want to think about more than just being loyal subjects in the world. We are royal subjects with his authority on the earth. Would you stand with me as we finish up this morning? I had something on my heart just pastorally today for you and where you're at in your life. And it's, the, it's actually the, the second to last little bullet there. This is important. That we learn how to trample Satan in our own lives before moving too quickly into the work of helping others find rescue in Christ. And one of the, that scripture, Jesus said, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. And you know, part of his training for us is that we learn how to walk in the authority of the Lord Jesus. 
and we learn how to exert his authority in our lives, that doesn't make us control people. We're not controlling things, but we take authority. We take his authority over our lives, and we learn how to exert his victory in the battles that we're facing and the temptations that come against us. And as we understand and we see how he breaks in, our kingdom mindset begins to change, and we begin to be liberated to think in kingdom ways to prepare us to be among those who go and help others find rescue. Would you lift it, just close your eyes and lift your hands to the Lord for a moment this morning. Let's just respond to the Lord. This morning, if there's something going on in your heart where you feel Jesus is calling you to come into a greater surrender, just for a few moments, just lift that up to the Lord and say, Jesus, I surrender to you completely and totally. And maybe you want to name it, that thing. It's quiet in here, but you can do it quietly. Jesus, we want to come to a place of total surrender. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for breaking your kingdom into our lives. Oh God, because of who you are as king, it makes the fact that you would call us family so amazing that you would gather us together as a father gathers children and hold us and love us and raise us. Lord, because of who you are as king of the universe, that is so mind-boggling. Your love is so incredible, Lord. Lord, would you prepare us to be a people who will walk in the royal authority of the Son of God in the earth, never puffed up, never looking down on others, but looking to love and serve your, wor your world in the power of the Holy Spirit and ready and knowing that we can exert the authority of the Lord Jesus and see your kingdom advance. God, would you prepare us to be that people? Lord, as the students return home for Thanksgiving, and some of them are going to visit with friends and visiting friends' homes, and Lord, for some of them, as they go back to that being confronted with the mindset and the life and the challenges that they were struggling with so much before they came to Elam, Lord, would you help them to stand tall in you and in your authority and to walk in your freedom and walk in your victory. Lord, over these next five or uh, however many days it is, eight days, I haven't counted them, Lord, would you help them to be strong in you and even to reach in to those around them who are trapped in darkness. And we pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen.